But I want you to understand how wicked he is. How wicked he is. And how wicked this system is. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery. One day, when the glory comes, it will be out, it will be out. Oh, one day, when the war is won, we will be This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Because the Black Lives Matter movement emerged under a black president, black attorney general, and black homeland security, and they couldn't deliver, you see? So that when you talk about the masses of black people, the precious poor and working class black people, poor and working class brown, red, yellow, whatever color, they're the ones who are left out and they feel so thoroughly powerless, helpless, hopeless, then you get rebellion. And we've reached the point now, it's a choice between nonviolent revolution, and by revolution what I mean is the democratic sharing of power, resources, wealth, and respect. If we don't get that kind of sharing, you're going to get more violent explosions. America's chickens coming home. Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Empowerment Talk Radio, speaking truth to ourselves. That is a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. matters. Well, thank you for being here at Our Common Ground. This is the sanctuary for black truth where we honor and respect it. It is a unique place in all of that. I'm Janice Graham, and tonight at Our Common Ground, we are going to be facing, understanding, and for some, discovering a new truth for black people in America. In America, 
there is an American racial infamy. Now, you might be asking me, okay, Janice, you're starting off pretty heavy. What's happening here? We'll be talking with uh, our guest commentators this evening about the definition of racial infamy, its roots, and how it is a reality today in the United States of America, and how it has creeped and become embedded in who we are, where we are. And um, I just want to make these comments um, that in America we have denied and neglected the consequences of murder under the cover of law as an embedded American legal precept. And that precept is racial infamy. That we understand this reality, especially in the times in which we find our existence, is to begin to understand black existence today, black existence Last de- day, over the last 500 years, we live in this America in fear. It is and always has been. Tonight at Our Common Ground, we're going to be joined by guest commentators, Dr. James Taylor, the chair of the Department of Politics at the University of San Francisco. You know him well. He has been an Our Common ground voice since 2011 and also joining us later in our broadcast tonight is Dr. Raymond A. Wimbush and you know him he has been in our common ground voice since 2009 and one of the things that we need to understand about this legal precept this racial infamy in America is that the emergency that we identify for today has been an emergency for the past 300 years. It is a different emergency. It is more urgent today than it ever has been. It is because the disease, the disruption, the impediment to black people is much more promulgated, much more aggressive, because we have much more technology to move it. And in the last three years, we find ourselves with a government that is willing not only to maintain the impediment to dig and drill deeper, but to add on. And before I bring in Dr. Taylor, uh, I do want to go over a couple of things today. Um, The uninvited, illegitimate president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, nominated Amy Coney Barrett as the expected replacement as the nominee to take the seat, which was occupied by the late Associate Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And 
I want to characterize Barrett, this nominee, because she is more aptly described as heir to another departed Supreme Court justice, and that is her conservative hero, Antonine Scalia, for whom she once clerked. And we are going to be talking uh, a bit about that. The other is that attorneys and citizens say Wednesday's grand jury decision in Breonna Taylor's shooting death and Attorney General of Kentucky Daniel Cameron's limited explanation of it raises some troubling questions he has so far refused to answer. The grand jury indicted former officer Brett Hankison on three counts of wanton endangerment for firing bullets that went into apartment and into uh, apartment next to Taylor's during the attempted no-knock search warrant uh, carried out on March 13th of two years ago. But no indictment was returned against any any of these officers. Um, for this intrusion and this murder that killed the 26-year-old unarmed black woman, Brianna Taylor. We're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, it's really interesting, and I hope all of you noted it. And if you are an Our Common Ground family member, you know, you noted it. You noticed that this attorney general, Daniel Cameron, never mentioned her name never said her name in regard to a grand jury proceeding that had to do with her death. Okay, we'll get to that later. Also, um, we're going to be talking today in in the context of American racial infamy. Uh, You know, I keep hearing about the legitimacy crisis that will, will engulf the Supreme Court if the Senate moves forward with Trump's um, uh, Trump's expected uh, nomination, yet I, I have to ask the question. I have to raise it real high. I have to like kind of be kind of disgusted and ask the question: When did the institution that rendered Dred Scott versus Plessy, Dred Scott, Plessy versus Ferguson, Karamazzi? Bowers versus Hardwick, upholding Georgia's sodomy statue in 1986, Bush v. Gore in 2000, Exxon Shipping versus Baker, revoking punitive damages for Exxon Valdez in 2008, and Citizens United in 2010. When did the Supreme Court acquire this glittering aura of legitimacy? I'm just asking a question, you know, and we want to talk about that. Also, as we come into this broadcast tonight, in the United States, there are 7.8 million people who have been infected by the coronavirus. There have been 204,000 deaths by those who were con- who contracted this virus 
worldwide, there's only been 990, not only, but 990,000. And the U.S. has suffered 204,000 deaths. So I guess that's where we are. Um, and, and as we come into this broadcast tonight, uh, and in regard to the coronavirus, I read a study on yesterday. It's a preliminary study, and it involved 4,000 genetic sequences of this coronavirus, and, and, and it suggests that one of the virus's many mutations may be more contagious than the others. And the study, which has not been peer-reviewed, conducted by researchers from the Houston uh, Methodist Hospital, they found <clears throat> that this particular strain, known as the D614G, Keep that in your brain. Write it down, whatever. It's not a cell phone number. This is a strain of the coronavirus, and a mutation, and it was responsible for close to every coronavirus infection in Houston this summer. And they are seeing it during Texas's second wave of infection. And they're believing that this mutation is deadlier than anything we've seen, and masks and social distancing may not help out on this particular mutation. It's America, folks, and uh, we got to do the best that we can. Um, you know, a lot of people wrote me and criticized me and asked me and the whole nine yards about using the word, the term racial infamy. The definition by the Oxford Dictionary, which is the one I have in my house and on my computer, is the state of being well known for some bad quality are deep. So I, I just wanted to help people out on that particular piece because you have to understand that black people from where I'm standing, the, in the context of everything that is happening, in the context of everything is happening, we are in a state of being known for a bad deed. And that is that we have placed a group of people in this country in slavery. We placed them in black and Jim Crow. We denied them under law the rights that they attained during the Civil Rights Movement, the Black Power Movement. So we have have a laws, a country, which has dis diminished not only our human rights, but diminished, diminished our civil rights, our right to be free from fear. And that is why I chose that word. And right after that, right after this, I, 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 I need people to understand that we are in an emergency. Everything that's happened to Black Lives Matter and other protesters around this country in the last two and a half months, 
the huge riots every night, all night, until the government interceded in our ability to protest against police terrorism, against black people in this country, that we are in an emergency. There is Civil War 2.0, and we'll talk about that with our guest tonight. I'm Janice Graham. For those of you who want to write it down or you want to come into this program listening on one of your smart devices, our number is 347-838-9852, and you can join us in our chat room online at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. Right after this, we'll be joined with Dr. James Taylor, and we are glad to see him tonight. I'm glad to see all of you um, in our chat room and on our boards. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. I heard some folks up there saying, no justice, no justice, no justice, no justice, and if we don't get no justice, there ain't going to be no damn peace. That's the bottom line. Let me just start off by saying to you that black people are in a state of an emergency. We are in a state of emergency, black folks in America. And those who support us need to understand the depth of the state of emergency. And it didn't just start today, but it is at a critical point. We are at a point when folks, grandmothers, all the way down to little babies are tired. Mm -hmm. People realize that this attack that we're under, I heard someone saying on TV today that it feels like every black person in America is being hunted. That's how we feel. Mm -hmm. And so that state of emergency is causing all types of things. Mm -hmm. But out of the White House, Last night we heard the President of the United States say that when the looting starts, the shooting starts, which we know is a reference to another racist time in the history of America where police abuse our people. That same President, he is the same man that in 2018, at one of his speeches, Donald Trump said that he is a nationalist. That this is important for people to understand what we're dealing with here. So that you know when we say a state of emergency what we mean. He said he is a nationalist and if you understand the history of white nationalism in America to have the president say that we were in a state of emergency at that moment. He also went on at another press conference or another event to say to police officers Don't be so nice when you arrest them. Mm. Y'all got to remember Mm. the history of the man who is in the White House. Mm. He said, don't be so nice to them. Hit them in the head when you put them in the car. Mm. These were his words as the president of the United States. This is not an isolated situation. These instances are not isolated. What is happening in America is that white nationalism ideology is running wild. And the reason why buildings are burning is because this city, this state, would prefer 
preserving that white nationalism and that white supremacist mindset over arresting, charging, and helping to convict four officers who killed the black man. That is the reality of what we're dealing with. This is not just a few cops doing things across the country. This is not a good cop versus bad cop situation. This is Ahmaud Arbery being shot down by white men on the streets of Georgia, mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor being killed in her home. Mm -hmm. This is in New York City where we were until freedom. We were just in New York fighting the police officers who in the name of social distancing were damn near killing black young people on our streets. Mm -hmm. This is a coordinated activity happening across this nation. And so we are in a state of emergency. Black people are dying in a state of emergency. We cannot look at this as an isolated incident. The reason why buildings are burning are not just for our brother, George Floyd. We're, they're burning down because people here in Minnesota are saying to people in New York, to people in California, to people in Memphis, to people all across this nation, enough is enough. Yeah. And we are not responsible for the mental illness that has been inflicted upon our people by the American government, institutions, and those people who are in positions of power. I don't give a damn if they burn down Target. Because Target should be on the streets with us, calling for the justice that our people deserve. Where was AutoZone at the time when Philando Castile was shot in a car, which is what they actually represent? Where were they? So if you are not coming to the people's defense, That's right. then don't challenge us when young people and other people who are frustrated and instigated by the people you pay, you are paying instigators to be among our people out there throwing rocks, breaking windows, and burning down buildings. And so young people are responding to that. They are enraged. And there's an easy way to stop it. Arrest the cop. Charge the cop. Charge all the cops. Not just some of them. Not just here in Minneapolis. Charge them in every city across America where our people are being murdered. Charge them everywhere. That's the bottom line. Charge the cops. Do your job. Do what you say this country is supposed to be about, the land of the free for all. It has not been free for black people, and we are tired. Don't talk to us about looting. Y'all are the looters. America has looted black people. America looted the Native Americans when they first came here. So looting is what you do. We learned it from you. We learned violence from you. We learned violence from you. The violence was what we learned from you. So if you want us to do better, then damn it, you do better. And now back to Janice. sister Tamika Mallory, who is uh, one of the organizers of the formal Black Lives Matter organization, the original, 
and one of the organizers on the organizing board of the Women's March uh, on the day after the inauguration of Donald J. Trump. And here's the bottom line. The bottom line is they are not, they are not holding police accountable. They will not hold peace accountable. They will stand behind the badges of the police unions, and that is why I maintain that we are in an emergency. Dr. James Taylor, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You know I need a voice. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Thank you. I'm 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 kind of full tonight uh, because I've over the last week, Dr. Taylor, I've I've come to some conclusions that they are hard, they are painful. Mm. You know, I I have been educated by the finest institutions in this country. I have had opportunities that very few. It is rare for black people to have in my professional life. And here I am at this juncture having to having to really grasp the notion that we are in live in American racial infamy. Talk to us about that, Dr. Taylor. Well, yeah, no, thank you. Um America and other countries uh, that took on slavery uh, the way the Western powers did um, basically took on something permanent, and they thought it would be something short-term after they got finished using black humanity for their purposes that it would be uh, over. But that's not the way history works, and and the way history works is, uh, at least in part, is that there are, you know, consequences and repercussions uh, for for things, uh, for colonialism and imperialism, of uh, the problem of immigration right now from the former colonial uh, territories are now haunting Europe, right? Uh, throughout Europe, uh, you know, uh, that's what Brexit is about. Um, Germany's taking in a million people, um, and and so what what you're dealing with in the United States is just the uh, consequences of, of to me, what is normal. Um, what, what's, what's urgent is the volume um, and the degree to which, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's become safe for open racism. Um, but I would also argue that this is normal, um, that the, uh-huh. the status quo is is what we're experiencing, and Barack Obama is the one who misled us, that the status quo is what we're experiencing, and Martin Luther King misled us. In other words, many people thought after King we were done, right? And yet we went right back to racial backlash with Ronald Reagan and the war on drugs, right? Um, Really, you know, beginning with Richard Nixon and and LBJ, right, from 68 on. Um, And so... As much as you thought, you know Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. I'm, I'm just using King as a metaphor because I know it was I know it was everybody and women as well. I, I just use King to be quick, um, but um, you know, I think we get misled sometimes, Miss Graham, to think 
as a consequence to to what is perceived as racial progress, um, and then we we get slapped right back into reality. And this is just us getting slapped back into reality the same way we did after we had 12 years of perceived freedom after 1864-65, the Emancipation Proclamation, Gettysburg Address, um, the 13th Amendment, uh, 12 years of Reconstruction policy, the Radical Republicans, um, 14th Amendment, 15th Amendment, 12 years, a decade of racial progress. And then one presidential election happens in 1876. I was teaching my students this, this week in my presidential politics class. The 1876 presidential election devastated black America until the 1970s. That, that, that election that nobody even who black even knows or thinks about was was Donald Trump in 1876 and it wasn't so much that the, the the person who won was evil it was simply that the compromise because and, and it's because the electoral college did not work that Samuel Tilden and Rutherford B Hayes end up with uh, the same amount of electoral college votes, it ends up being resolved by a, a, a Senate and House uh, committee of Congress members. And then the outcome is the federal troops whose presence made possible that 12 years of progress, where black folk, if they had just Look, the, the founding fathers in 1870, 1776 failed by bringing the revolution into, bringing slavery into the revolution. And then 100 years later, here's another moment of breakthrough uh, after the Civil War. And once again, the white North and white South reunite in the case of, of, of um, the, uh, the Hayes-Tilden Compromise in 1876. So they take the federal troops and the military out of the South, and, they, and, and that allows the era of re, re, redemption, Southern redemption. If you look up the era of Southern redemption, you'll see that that followed Black Reconstruction. W.E.B. Du Bois talks about uh, Reconstruction and Black Reconstruction. John Hope Franklin talks about it in a book called Reconstruction. Eric Foner talks about it in a book called Reconstruction. And they all document this 12- to 13-year period. And Du Bois said if Reconstruction had been allowed to last, you know, 50 years, we may have never had the need for a Martin Luther King or a modern civil rights movement because the African-American group might have been able to um, emerge even within that first, you know, five decades strong if they were just left alone and allowed to develop and given some kind of uh, uh, assistant like uh, immigrant groups were, uh, at, you know, and, uh, and 40 acres and a mule. But, but mm -hmm. because of the 1876 election, the troops are taken out, the Klan and the White Citizens Council and the Redemptioners uh, emerge, and then the, the era of lynching follows. Uh, so one presidential election will, can have a century-long impact on black life, and that is what we're facing right now. So all of the people talking this talk about not voting or the Democrats are the lesser evil uh, or Joe Biden's record, that's what I mean, Ms. Graham. People have gotten spoiled. But, for example, the person that says that actually is ignorant to the history of America 
or they've been duped by the idea, and I'm not blaming Obama yeah. in, in, in this yeah. language or King in this language. I'm just trying to explain that the norm is racism. Every once in a while, something like a King or Obama yeah. breaks out. And yeah. we get fooled but, you by know, it. The thing is and and now, we're, now we're facing backlash in the same way we did in Reconstruction. So racism, slavery was the norm. And then Reconstruction broke out for a decade. Yeah. And, and that's what happened yeah. with King. King and the Civil Rights Movement is, is 12, 13 years, right? And, and then Obama is eight years. So you have these small moments of breakthrough, but the backlash is so fierce that you end up in the hole for another 100 years. And that's where we are right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, you know, one of the things that I have been toiling and twirling around in my brain about this whole idea of the American racial infamy is looking at how the Nuremberg laws were were carved out and how essentially over a period of of 10 years um the 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 concept the contextual historical concept took hold all over the world the other point that I want to make in, in regard to your your comments is that we have to recognize that what we see as police terrorism is simply a more sophisticated form of what black people have been subjected to since since during the period during during slavery. And and I wanted to point out that uh, the Equal Justice Initiative had a report in 2015 that identified and recorded more than 4,400 black victims of racial terror lynching from the post-Reconstruction period, 1877 to 1950. And this new report uh, allowed us to see this grim tally uh, which expanded to 2,000 documented victims from the Reconstruction era itself, and black people were supposed to be free. So this is nothing new. This is just our re- obligation to recognize that it's a continuum and it is embedded, and that is the reason why we can't rely on and on the justice system. Not not even talking about how today it has been weaponized for to to maintain a system of white supremacy, but it has been weaponized, and every part of our government now is part of the the, the maintenance system mechanisms. Uh, for a, a system of white supremacy to reign and operate in, today, in in our lives today, and that is why police officers are not being held accountable. That is why the Supreme Court can turn back decades of civil rights and human rights in this country, and that is why we have a Congress that is willing to put into place a judicial system that maintains ideology, policies, and legislative initiatives that will maintain that system. Dr. Taylor, I'm so glad to have you. I mean, when you break it down 
in terms of the, the historical realities. It really helps my listeners understand, and you're absolutely right, that this is the norm. The fact and, that – go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, and, 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 and even when, you know, we got free – the truth is, if they had left us alone, we would have surpassed them in our development. They needed the government, white people did, in order to, to survive America. We survived here after having the most powerful human entity, the American state, created in the past 500 years, against us every day for 500 years. That, that's what no one acknowledges, that we are, whatever Russia and China and Cuba represent in America's imagination ideologically, we have always been a country inside of America at, at suppressed under its war foot in the form of, of, of policing. And the reality is John Brown himself said that slavery itself was an act of war, and we are in a permanent condition of war, even as we've taken on citizenship as our alternative reality that we've had to accept because of the terrible dehumanization process that, went, you know, that slavery put black people through all over the Western Hemisphere, and not just here, mm -hmm. all over the Western Hemisphere, right, in Jamaica mm -hmm. and in mm -hmm. other parts of the, the Caribbean, right? But here's the thing. We did not need white people once we got free except for basic resources. If, in other words, if, if they would have just left us alone and, and treated us um, fairly in the, in, the, in the marketplace to get materials and get products, black people would have been just fine in the South because white people were more dependent on them than they were on white people. And that's why white people me, were begging blacks not to leave in the, Negro, in the black migration. Who were the farmers? Who were the planters? Who were the carpenters? Who, who knew the seasons and when certain crops needed to be planted and when they needed to be picked up? Who knew cotton, which is a textile that everybody needed for clothes and continued to use even to this day? Who knew cotton? We knew all... We, we, in other words... If you had given black folk, after slavery, what white folk had, white folk would be in the ghettos of America today, and they know it. Like Tiger Woods, move out the way and watch us take it over. I'm not trying. That's about the, the most I can use Tiger for is that metaphor, because <laughs> I can't use him after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my point is, black excellence, black excellence, um, is how we are here and thriving. I took my son for a walk around Lake Merritt today in Oakland just because he's 12, and I'm like, let's go outside. Let's just get out the house. So we put our masks on, and we walked around the lake. Um, and I, I, Ms. Graham, there are about, I'd say about 100 vendors of black folk with their own businesses, tables, families, making wine, uh, uh, you know, Selling all kinds of products, uh, clothes, mm -hmm. jewelry, mm -hmm. uh, perfumes. It's, it's like a, it's like they've decided to create an African marketplace. Now this is in the very location where the white woman called the police with the glasses on. The Stanford-educated woman um, called the police on the two black men barbecuing in Oakland around Lake Merritt. That's where I took my son. And when she called the police that time, uh, five thousand black people came down three days later. 
and called it five one zero day um, uh, to, to spite her. And and then today, there, I took my son around, and there's this black folk with businesses, and I just said to him, "This is what you." I said, "Look at this." I said, "This is your childhood." Mm-hmm. I said, look at what you see. I said, every last one of these black people you see is, in, is trying to be independent and free, each one of them. I said, you do not have to grow up and get a job. I said, grow up and figure out how you can be free. And I said, look at this brother right here, a roster brother walked by, unloading his car with all of his oils and all of his incense. I said, this man is using these items to be free. And I was just showing him that, you know, just, and I hope he picks it up. But we just walked by, right? And my point, and then, and then, and, and then black folk were playing music everywhere. Everywhere they're playing their music. And then the Latinos had a couple of tables, and they were playing Latino music. And then there were some Indians playing the congas, uh, playing their own uh, special kind of drums that Indians have, playing on the side. All because black people have reclaimed the space that a white woman tried to use her educated uh, environmentalist background to hold against brothers because they were openly barbecuing by yeah. the lake where black folk have been yeah. since the 1940s, and she just got here. So, so this is what I wanted my son to see. I said, look at your people. I said, all hell is breaking around about them with an the evil racism that's going on. I said, there's violence going on. There was a riot here last night. I was outside last night and got three feet. I'm not talking five feet. I mean three feet. In my car, I stopped to watch the, the marchers uh, as they were marching, and the police were corralling them all downtown. It was an all-white crowd, all dressed in black. I pulled up three feet away. Uh, they all of a sudden made a turn to where my car was and said, go right. So I had to jump in my car and speed up to get out of their way, and they kept coming up the road. When I woke up this morning, they said a riot broke out in Oakland last night. So that's, this is this is where I am. Yeah. This is yeah. where I am trying to explain I am, and I took my son out today, so he could walk around and see his people. I said, black no. people didn't riot in Oakland last night. I said, black people know the devil. Black people been through this hell. Do you? Do we look upset? Do we look troubled? I said, look at your people selling, dancing, singing, drinking, smoking, making money, hustling, connecting. Yeah. I said, look at this. This is. And so my son got to watch that today in the same town where white folk are rioting on our behalf as they, as they think, right? But as, as I understand it, I wanted my son to understand that no matter what, our people are resilient and we're going to be the last one standing. And I, well, helped you know, him understand, is- I helped him see that by helping him understand with all the racism going on with Trump, with all of the this, this psychotic talk he talks, with all of this uh, polarized violence and, and this hostile environment, with police, I told my son, black people are always going to find a way to be all right. It doesn't mean we're mm-hmm. all going to survive, but we're going to um, win because we yeah. have such deep reserves of spirituality that they do not have. They don't yeah. know God me, like we me, do. Let me... Yeah, let me let me ask you to pause there because I want to bring on Dr. Raymond Wimbush, who is the who is an American uh, African American scholar and activist, and he's the director of the Institute for Urban Research and a research professor at Morgan State University. Uh, he is also the author of the Warrior Method, a program for rearing healthy Black boys, and should America pay? Um, and his activism is known for his systems thinking approach to understanding the impact 
of racism and white supremacy. And Dr. Taylor, you are, you are headed right where I'm headed because I just don't think we're going to win against fighting what they're doing. We've nope. got to start start concentrating on what we're doing. Dr. Ray Winbush, thank you again for being here at Our Common Ground. We're glad to have you again. Dr. Winbush? Hello? Well, um, I'm not but, so you know, sure what's happening. But uh, go, go ahead. No, but I'm st- and, and I, yes, I, you know, I, would just, I would just sort of suggest that when you, when you think about all that's going on, um, you know, African American people, black people, um, uh, you know, in general, um, have deep have deep reserves of, of spirituality and experience, experience, and and so even in the midst of all the racism that's going on, black folk all over America, even in the midst of a pandemic, are trying to find ways of, of maintaining their humanity, uh, even as the American state is against them. So to me, this is a a very powerful lesson to learn that here we are today in this country uh, in 2020, and we're still being uh, besieged and under siege. But but the, but our culture is so powerful that it's 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 the one front we own. It's it's like the military. It's like that's the front. That's that's the area where we've always had certain reserves at our disposal that they did not have and they use weaponry and and you know and sanitize religion in order to justify their violence but we've always had a deep humanity um uh, and and I think that's in play right now that's what black america is trying to teach america again once again like it's a child that needs to learn cuz we were here before america was america's like a child a racist child that they created but we were here before America was here. We are proto-Americans. We were here before slavery was here, at least by, uh, according to Ivan Van Sertima, uh in the 1550s, right? And so we, even our presence here in Los Angeles, for example, and other cities does not begin with slavery, right? There's a reversal of fortune, and that's what I was saying about the 1876 presidential election. There's a reversal of fortune, and here we are again in the midst of another one of these reversal of fortunes. And there always have been Negroes on the side of the racism whenever this has happened to us. And and so that the idea that you have Daniel Cameron, uh, you know, playing this this role that he's playing um, in the in the uh, Breonna Taylor case as the as the uh, district attorney, um, this is why I'm I'm this is what I mean about our people. The, The words that Tamika Mallory used. Uh, towards him were more powerful than the, the piece that you let in with, where she was overwhelmingly powerful. But oh, the we got, she said we got today, that for later. What she, what she said today or later. yesterday was the most powerful yeah. thing I think I've ever heard anybody outside of Malcolm yeah. X. I mean, this girl got Malcolm X in her soul. Yeah, she, she got does. Malcolm let X in her soul. See, let me check to see if uh, Dr. Wimbush is on. Dr. Wimbush, are you here with us? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I sir. can. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Um, okay, that's we, right. I was having a hard time finding you on my board. Um, okay, I'm joined Dr. Taylor. How are you doing, Dr. Taylor? I'm doing great, sir. Much respect. Much respect. 
Uh, Ray, one of the things we're talking about here is the idea that uh, American racial infamy and the idea that it is a state of being that is well known uh, and 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 recognized and and Dr. Taylor has so aptly aptly uh helped us understand that it is normalized what we are seeing is normal it has been normal through through our history in this country and i think that uh, i want to give you an opportunity to talk about uh how fully embedded it is, and our current administration, our current politics, uh, simply has highlighted and provided a, a, a sturdier, more aggressive foundation for it. Well, you know, let's really begin by just saying it's not just American racism, it's global white supremacy. Right. And We've got to start thinking, and I think many of us are, clearly Dr. Taylor is, we've got to view white people as a a collective minority, only 8% of the world's population, who feel threatened by our presence. But not only threatened by our presence, but every person that is not white on the planet. And what is we're seeing in the United States right now is just, as Dr. Taylor said, about every dozen years or so, we see the same repetition over and over. I put no faith at all in white people who are now claiming, quote, black lives matter. As Dr. Taylor said, one of my teachers at Chicago was John O. Franklin, and he said that this idea that somehow we have, quote, white allies, he said it's a ludicrous idea. The, 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 the only time in this nation, let's you know, focus on the United States now, the only time in this country's history that white people have fought other white people on behalf of black people was the Civil War. And even then, I got to put some asterisks beside that because as Dr. Uh, Taylor said, In 1877, white folks up north, white folks down south said, look, we through with this stuff. They're getting too much. They're running what we now call unions. They had all the skills. So they said, look, you take care of them down south. We'll pull the troops out. And in the north, we'll segregate them, put them in hoods and all this other stuff. And so what you see is a consistent consistent pattern and it's hard for us as African people to see a consistent pattern on a global level that this tiny white minority continues to oppress will never stop oppressing unless there are consequences for their oppression and we right now provide no consequences for it the Breonna Taylor you know I mean we could talk about uh, George Floyd you it's like Wash, rinse, dry, repeat. Wash, rinse, dry, repeat. So we're going to have demonstrations for a while, but it's going to die off. White people will either abandon, if if they are ever a part of our struggle, or they'll 
do things like what is happening in Oakland, what's happening in Portland, what happened in Minneapolis, pretend to, to foment through the Proud Boys and what's this other one, the Patriotic Prayers or whatever they call the white supremacy that Trump supports. It's going to continue, and there's no consequences on our – there is no consequences in this country for killing an African. There's none. And, they, and police know this, and they're going to continue to do it. Well, it, 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 you know, it has become, and I, I, have, I, I have proposed this for many, many years, it has become an American legal precept. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And it, and Which it's, makes it's it law. Part, it, it's part of a, the culture that when police kill an a, a African, that what they do is they get time off for good behavior. They take administrative leave. They put them on the desk. They pay them. Uh, and, and as I said before, white supremacy is a team sport. You got white people after the killing of Michael Brown, Daryl Wilson is now a millionaire, the cop yep. who shot Michael. He's a yep. millionaire because the team, and that's all white people, the team supports those who kill us. That's right. And, and, we, see, and we see it not only in this country. We saw it in South Africa doing apartheid. We that's see right. it in France with the killing of people. We see it in, uh, in the U.K. You can go any place on the planet. White people kill black people. I was in Australia a, a few years ago. Aboriginal people who are African, they, they kill them. It, there's no difference in how they kill them by and, and say things such as we say, he's got a gun, uh, he's reaching for my gun, all of these things, whatever, I feared for my life. The same thing. It's a team sport. I, I agree completely. Um, and and that and see, I've, I've even been asking my students in my presidential politics class, how is it possible just for one day for the Supreme Court and slavery to coexist? Exactly. That, that would seem exactly. to be impossible. If the, if the Supreme Court is just, right, and if these people are worthy of life appointments and they are above politics and they are – you know, philosopher kings wise to the law. How does slavery and the Supreme Court coexist ever? And I've been asking that question myself, right. uh, Miss uh, Graham. So the idea that you even threw it out here today is interesting and, and, and serendipitous because well, I've been thinking about uh, that. I mean, because I just don't understand and, and, how anybody can justify this, the legitimacy of the Supreme Court forever from that moment on to me. Because my first question was, how does slavery make its way into the revolution? How come slavery wasn't, you know, left on the other side of 1776? But they brought it on in. They failed again in 1876. So, you know, we, we, we've yeah. been through these cycles every 30, yeah, 30 people, years or so. People forget that Dred Scott in 1857, 1857, right made it at an American racial precept in law. But, but see, what we also have to study, and, and, and we have to, you know, and, and I'm going to go a little bit at another level. You know, Bobby Wright 
who wrote Psychopathic Racist Personality. You was at Chicago. We were in classes together. And Bobby used to say that we have to start studying white mentality. We have to study the mentality of a white man who can lean on a black man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and hear him crying for his mother, telling him I can't breathe, urinating in his pants, but killing him. We have to talk about the cops who walked over Brianna's body as they were passing through that so-called crime scene that they had created. We have to talk about a George Zimmerman and his mentality. Daryl Wilson, we could go on and on. The, the, the people that killed uh, Emmett Till and going all the way back. My colleague Stacy Patton at Morgan State right now is writing a book about black children who were lynched in uh, under the age of 15. And she says the worst book, she's written several books, but this is the worst book and most difficult for her to write. She talks about this case that took place during enslavement in which a seven-year-old black boy did something wrong. His so-called master beat him, then called the mother of the boy and told her to beat him in front of them. She did because she knew that it would be consequences if you don't. But after that, that wasn't enough. She, he said, now I want you to hang your son, seven years old. And the mother knew that she was either going to, he said, if you don't hang your son, I'm going to kill you. So she had to make that decision. Forget about Sophie's choice and all of that stuff. That's part of our history of our ancestors. But what I'm interested in as a psychologist is what is the mentality of white people or people classified as white who do such things? And if you really understand that, like Marimba talks about in Yorugu, like Francis Cress Wellesley talked about it in ISIS paper, you will understand these people are murderers. They will kill you. They do it unexpectedly in many cases. They just, they, this just their nature. And we don't want to believe that. We want to believe that they are have the same humanity that Brother Taylor was talking about earlier, how we just move, how we can sell, how we can hustle. We want to believe that they're different from us, and they're far more murderous, far more predatory. Absolutely. I agree. And and, and that's the and, – and part of the you – know, again, from the psychological standpoint, part of the, the you know, the, 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 the psychological um, – Warfare that was that was done early was this claim again that we were somehow um, inferior, uh, and yes. yet they were depend- yet they were dependent on us. You know, we yes. knew crops, we knew farming even before we start moving to the cities in the 1870s, 1900s, you know, 19 uh, World War One, World War Two migrations. We were the ones. That's what Booker Washington was saying. Stay down here. You know, cast your buckets where you are, because you're the ones that know how to till this land. You have tilled it for centuries. Right. These white people don't know how to make this this stuff work. We can build a kingdom down here, right? And and, and I don't want to get too you know deep into Booker, but my point is, you know, the, many of the uh, those who were enslaved were skilled laborers. They were not, you know, this massive un, exactly. you know, of of dependent people as history and racism tries to characterize them. Um, many of them had skills of all sorts. And like you know, and as I you know, and, and that's why many of them go into labor as soon as they are able to, because they were they were skilled individuals. And so my point is, you know, 
so much of the harm that's been done um, to us psychologically. Like, you know, one of the things I, I've read is right around Reconstruction, watermelon became a crop that right. we had begun to use for independence, to sell, yeah. and to begin yeah. to make jellies and different things, pickles, and do all kinds of stuff with it so we could become independent. And all of a sudden, they mixed it with minstrel caricatures and, you know, right. it ended up... And, and then we got discouraged from it, and, and now we don't even like being seen with watermelon in public around white folk exactly. in 2020. Yeah. But it was our economic well, independence that we were using it for, and, they, and again, they, they took that from us, and, and those are the kinds of and, – and, and again, they try to make us think that we've always been dependent and, and without. And, yes, they left us ragged and tattered, and they, and they left us completely dehumanized, but there was something in our people through those experiences – and I'm not trying to romanticize them. I'm saying they were hell, like the one you just described. That, that to me, is demonic uh, uh, it uh, is behavior. And, it and, is and, demonic. And I think, and I've always said, and I, catch, I constantly still say, you know, that Mal, you know, Malcolm's devils are, you know, many of them are still alive with us, and that's a fact, mm-hmm. and, and many of them had their children. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, you know one, we, one of the things that we have to do, uh, in 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 this time, is understand exactly what our chains are, so that we can free ourselves from the chains chains of holding on to all of the evil that has been done to us, in and and distorted our view of ourselves. But see, I think that's I think that's always been the struggle because we got brothers like this dude, the AG Cameron up there in Kentucky, and what he said. Daniel you know, Cameron. We found out a couple, yeah, we found out a couple of days that CC Wine is supporting Trump. You know, we see Charles Barkley on television along with Shaq. See, I think, but those people have always been in our community. I mean, if you study Denmark Vesey's raid. And a, right. attempted raid in 1822. Vesey had organized, and people think Vesey was an enslaved person. He was free. He That's was right. trying to get his wife out of there. And he That's organized right. the whole state of Carolina, South Carolina. What happened was that he was betrayed by black folk. So you yep. see, again, that mentality, that uh, Ben yep. Carson mentality, that what I call super slave mentality. Kanye. People like Kanye down in Haiti right now, uh, uh, Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court, Stacey Dash, we can that. And what we've got, to, that attitude has always been with us. The That's super right. Super slaves have always been with us. That's right. They have to, you know, and I don't want to say what Malcolm said, but Malcolm, as you know, in the message of the grassroots, he said, look, when, when Mao Zedong took over China, the first thing he did, as Malcolm said, was kill all the Uncle Tom Chinese. <laughs> Right. Now, see, we mm-hmm. don't want to do mm-hmm. that now, you know. And I tell well, people again, I tell my students at Morgan that if you right now, if Matt Turner did in 2020 what he did in 1839, black folk would denounce him. Now we That's see right. him as a hero because right. we're not willing to go to that extreme about what we're doing. We romanticize. No, look, look, look at the silence of black people on Micah X in Dallas, who they blew up with the it's robot, that, or or Christopher exactly. Donna. Christopher Donna down in Los Angeles. In, in L.A., right. Exactly. Yep. exactly. In the face exactly. of, in the face of his, his declaration 
of telling the yeah, truth. I heard, I heard condemnation for whoever that brother was that shot those two cops in L.A. A lot of black folks tell, I just don't, you know, I don't understand. So like I said, if not, or so, well, maybe not Sojourner, but if uh, Harry said, well, you shouldn't go down south and get those people. You're risking his life. In fact, her husband said that. We would be opposed to what they were doing, just like we were opposed, or I wasn't, but during the 70s and the late 60s with the BPP. And they had their issues. But they were people that we shouldn't be carrying guns up there in Sacramento like that into the Capitol. Why not? Right. These white right. boys yeah. carry these guns yeah. every place, and they never get touched. Well, well uh, we're going to take a break right now, and we're and when we come back, BJ, I do I'm want to talk to about. BJ, I got to roll, but Brother Taylor, uh, I got an early in the morning uh, place I got to be. So okay. I'm going to have to roll. But look, Thank brother, you, brother. Hey, keep it up, and I respect Thank your work, you, brother. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, DJ. Likewise. Take care. Doctor Doctor Raymond Wimbush is leaving us, uh, and I I do want to say to those of you who are listening, if you have not read "Should America Play Slavery and the Raging Debate on Reparations," please do, because he is coming back when we do our month of programs broadcast regarding. Reparations. He's going to be back. He was um, very early into the thinking of helping us educate ourselves about the debt, and we're going to be doing that uh, in um, in November. So, Dr. Uh, Raymond Wimbush, we are so pleased that you could stop by and. And, and join us. Dr. Taylor, we're going to be taking uh, a break, and when we come back, I do want to talk about a survival again. Uh, sure. I think that if we understand, if we truly understand the emergency of now, that you've got to have some plans because the politics in the United States of America will not save you. There will be no election that can save you. There will be no Supreme Court that can save you. It hasn't, it didn't then, and it won't now, and we need to be prepared. This is Our Common Ground. We'll be right back. The United States is a mafia government. No one has done more damage and degradation and murder, rape, and robbery than Europeans. Yes. Therefore, in order to escape confrontation with their true criminal nature, they must accuse others of being criminals. What we call objection. They must become obsessed with the criminality of other people. And black folk become those other people, you see. Please. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Every 10 years, the census comes along, and it seems like everyone I know always asks the same two questions. What is the census, and why does it even matter? Let me give it to you straight. The census counts every single person living in America. An accurate count of our community tells us where there are more people, And where there are more people, there are more needs. Our participation could impact how public funding flows to our schools, health clinics, senior care, job training, and housing. It even determines our congressional representation. 
I don't know about you, but it sure sounds like the census matters to me. This year, take a little time for the 2020 census. You can complete it online, by phone, or by mail. And make sure you count everybody you live with. Your mama, daddy, sweetheart, babies, roommates, everyone. This chance only comes every 10 years, so let's step up and be counted. Shape your future. Start here. Learn more at 2020census.gov. Paid for by U.S. Census Bureau. There is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're 7th in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, 3rd in median household income, number 4 in labor force, and number 4 in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What we see before our eyes, the sky is green and the grass is blue. But one thing you can't deny, these people are, these people are sabotaging this country. Alpha on TruthWorks Network, the best of political pushback. Go for it, Alpha. How do you wake up the entire African-American community to the hidden issue of mental health? It showed up in my life through one of my best friends. And we've been friends for over 30 years. One story at a time. If we would have known earlier, you know, we would have been more, much more supportive with her. Once I reached out to my sister, it got a little better. Once I told my mother, it got a little better. The more I talked about it, I felt it coming off. The healing is in me, and the healing in a journey can also be extended to others. It's our community and our mental health. Giving voice to what you're feeling is part of the healing. If you're strong enough to just open your mouth, that's all it takes. And the most revolutionary and healing thing that black people can do right now is to love one another. It's time to share ourselves. Healing starts with us. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Ad Council, and the Stay Strong Foundation. We now live in a nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, the press destroys information, religion destroys morals. Our banks destroy the economy. The inability to defend on all of these fronts, be it voter suppression. And you can go down the line. You can go down the line. The Wizard of Oz is 70 years old. Today, if Dorothy were to encounter men with no brains, no heart, and no balls, she wouldn't be in Oz. She'd be in Congress. <laughs> Advanced Urban Progressive Political Talk Radio. Wednesdays just got served. The Alpha Show on TruthWorks Network, premiering August 26th. 
Alpo's back and ready for the struggle. It's on The Alpo Show, August 26th, your Wednesdays, Alpo serving hot grips with politics. Wednesdays, 10 p.m., The Alpo Show, Truthworks Network, 10 p.m. Hosting the best of pushback talk radio. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, back to Janice. And thank you for being here with us at Our Common Ground. Don't forget, share it with friends. We're here each Saturday evening at 10 p.m. That's the be-bitching, no, be-witching hour. You can also join us on Facebook at OCG Talk Radio and on Twitter. Join me. At Janice OCG, we also have a members-only site, and it is, write it down, ourcommonground-talk.ning.com. We have a, you know, it's really interesting that I have, I own all these demands. I own blacktalkradio.com, blacktalkradio.net, blacktalkmatters.com. And I'm using the Ning domain. I'm going to change that sometime during this week. Thank you very much for uh, being with us. And for those of you who would like to join us by calling in and on the listen line, it's 347-838-9852. And you can also call us to talk with our guest, Dr. James Taylor, uh, who is uh, with us tonight as our guest commentator trying to help us understand this notion of survival. Before we go back uh, to our discussion, I want to share this with you on the other side. We'll be with Dr. Taylor, and we'll also be taking your calls at 347-838-9852. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. That on the same exact day that this announcement came out, it was the day that in September of, I forget the year, 1955, 65, no, 1955, which was 65 years ago, Emmett Till was also killed again, denied justice, because the two white officers responsible for, the two white men, excuse me, responsible for killing him were let free. That happened on the same day. Now, I don't know if it's just that Daniel Cameron is stupid or that he is very, very, very clear about history and made a decision to wait six months and come forward with this announcement, this garbage that we received on the exact same day. Everybody thinks we're mother who are they to judge us. Mother, mother, simply call the street where I am Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. 
I am really sorry. That is not the clip I wanted to play uh, in regard to Tamika Mallory's uh, comments on the indictment. It says that it is, but it is not. Um, Dr. Taylor, let's talk about uh, the newest, the most pressing kind of um, evidence of this racial infamy, this embedded system under which black folks live in this country. Well, I mean, again, it's known. Uh, And so for me, it's, you know, like when when, uh, FDR said, you know, that the day that Pearl Harbor was struck, it it was a day that would live in infamy. He used it, you know, probably more famously than anybody ever used that word. But he described it in a way that suggested that the world will look at this and the world will say this was an infamous thing that has happened here, regardless of the racial backdrop and the disrespect of Japan in the backdrop. The point is what he sold to the American people and press was this is a day that will live forever uh, as an infamous day because of what has happened here. America, innocent America, was attacked. Of course, America wasn't innocent, neither was the West. But, again, He's saying the world. He's saying the world is going to look and, and and see that this is wrong. And what I'm suggesting is the racism is so normal that when the world looks at it in America, it may act surprised, uh, and we may have these moments of of moral uh, expression of sorrow and uh, you know reckoning for a moment. But the 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 everydayness of it, the, the routine of it in everyday experiences um, of everyday people uh, in so many yeah. ways, beyond violence and beyond confrontation, just living. Um, and that's where people don't understand the, the whole notion of defund, defunding the police is really about the whole system, the whole arrangement, yeah. because they just yeah. enforce the arrangement. And the arrangement itself when people talk about reparations, is no, like Tupac said, at some point we're going to get tired of watching y'all have all the good, uh, you know, and, yeah. and we have, you know, all the bad. And yeah. at some point yeah. it's, it's going to be, well, then y'all can't have it either. And, and, the, yeah. and the reality is our population is growing. Um, even though we don't become a, significant, a, a more significant percentage of the country, our population is growing from 45 to 75 million in the next 40 years. By 2045, whites will be a national minority or, or part yeah. of, you know, yeah. So, so, so that reality with Latinos uh, becoming a large uh, percentage of the population, the Asian population is doubling, that browning of the country and this model and system of white supremacy can't coexist going forward. Something has got to give, and that's where the confrontation yeah. is. And and this is yeah. the beginning of that because it literally can't. They literally cannot coexist. Either either we're going to succumb or it's going to succumb. But we can't keep living like this. And that's what people are saying now. So imagine 50 years from now when we're 75 million people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and those I've are the things the that, that me... people don't understand. 
But black yeah, people are black making folks. their own choices too. Black folk are moving back south, and black people are, are have created cities throughout the south. Uh, I, put, I was reading an article yesterday about black cities, uh, new black cities. I was looking at uh, black out migrations or the so-called reverse migration of black folk since 1970. In every major city in America, the the southern migration to the north stopped from 45, uh, about 41 to, to 70. And then at 70, every, you know, the black population never ceased to be the majority, uh, majority southern. It's always been majority southern, even after the migrations of 6 million black folk. But by mm-hmm. 1970, everywhere, Chicago, San Francisco, Oakland, the, people stopped coming because of the economic turns. Uh, and and now folk have gone back home. The hip hop generation, uh, the uh, the baby boomers, and the generate uh, the millennial generation uh, have all three generations. And this does not reflect any migratory patterns of whites. And that's what normally happens. Like white young folk move to New York, then white, black young folk move to New York for the same reason, yeah. for partying and yeah. for jobs and opportunities. But what we see happening is white young people are moving to New York and black young people are moving south. So whatever the future is, it's going to be southern. And, um, and that's why we got to deal with the whole, you know, political apparatus because black folk, in the, the, the majority of black people in America are in red states where they get no political uh, policy preferences. They're always under siege by the policies, and they are kept poor. That's why their states are poor. I mean, you, mm-hmm. Donald, the mm-hmm. Democrats are dumb to me because there's no way a, a Republican could have a conversation with me about, about Democratic cities when I'd say they, there's not a single blue poor state in America, not one, ain't yeah. one. Yeah. Ain't one blue I, state I've got, poor. And, and yet I can name now. eight or nine red states from from Arkansas all the way down to Louisiana, Mississippi, West Virginia, um, you know, uh, on and on, Georgia, parts of Georgia, um, uh, you know, Tennessee, parts of Tennessee, on and on. There's real poverty there. And these white folk, as long as they get to be white, you know, they're content in that condition but they yeah. want to make sure, like, the public sector, the schools, and, and public yeah. welfare is dead so that black people in those red states can't experience it. So black folk in the South got to break the neck of that system because when you see all that red, realize uh, that's where most black folk are. And they're not getting yeah. political representation at all. And, and so when you're talking about defunding the police, it's, it's bigger than the police. It's the yeah. whole system. Yeah. When people are talking about reparations, they're saying the economic relationship between black people and white people has to change. It cannot be sustained yep. like this, given what we know about the data of how far behind uh, in terms of home ownership and wealth that black folk are, have been held. Because, again, we had it. We had wealth at one time before white folk turned, before the, the, the reversal of, of black fortune in the Americas. Wealth was stolen from us. I I, I want to use this clip with Tamika Mallory on the indictment to help put all of that into a context of where we move past November 3rd. 
because I think the Brianna Taylor indictment has been a, a big learning lesson for us. So hold on for a second, and Dr. Taylor, and 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 this is the one that you referenced earlier uh, in your comments. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery. press conference, which I thought was quite interesting, that he's a black man. And as I laid and cried and hurt for Tamika Palmer and for Breonna Taylor and for Kenny Walker and for Janaya, who we need to love up on, as I laid there and I thought about him saying he's a black man, I thought about the ships that went into Fort Monroe and Jamestown with our people on them over 400 years ago, and how there were also black men on those ships that were responsible for bringing our people over here. Mm. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery and helped white men to capture our people, to abuse them, and to traffic them while our women were raped, while our men were raped by savages. That is who you are, Daniel Cameron. You are a coward, you are a sellout, and you were used by the system to harm your own mama, your own black mama. We have no respect for you, no respect for your black skin. Because all of our skin folk ain't our kin folk, and you do not belong to black people at all. We learned that on the same exact day that this announcement came out, it was the day that in September of, I forget the year, 1955, 65, no, 1955, which was 65 years ago. Emmett Till was also killed again, denied justice, because the two white officers responsible for, the two white men, excuse me, responsible for killing him were let free. That happened on the same day. Now, I don't know if it's just that Daniel Cameron is stupid or that he is very, very, very clear about history and made a decision to wait six months and come forward with this announcement, this garbage that we received on the exact same day that Emmett Till's family received the same result. And the historic. But I want you to understand how wicked he is. How wicked he is. And how wicked this system is. How wicked he is, Dr. Taylor. How wicked this system is. That's it. And that's that's the ancestors talking through her. He oh, just got God, talked to yes. by the yes. ancestors. Those words were not from her. 
And um, you know, I sent you know, him a, a a letter. Um, to let him know that there were those of us who paid a price, and that. He has rejected the blessings of his ancestors in every way. I don't write a lot of letters, Dr. Taylor. Right. And I don't know how, but I think we have to understand how and why when our souls are when we are tempted to allow our souls to be snuffed out. The beauty of of Tamika is that she let her soul be used, uh, and yes. and those words are forever, and they struck it perfectly, exactly the tone, the pitch, the passion, yes, um, and the words, and that's why I said that's like those that's Malcolm right there. You know, and that's what I mean. That's the ancestors. That's Ella Baker, and that's Fannie Lou speaking yes. there, right there. And Ida B. Um, yes, ma'am. And I um, mean, when I heard her, I was—I had to be moved to do something uh, other than just want to 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 choke this man to be used in this way. You know, and I told him about the stripes on my back the struggles that I could have evaded but didn't. I, I don't know if this brother and the, and, and the Daniel Camerons in our lives that we come across every day, I, I see them. I mean, I sent this clip uh, to some former colleagues who are still in the federal force. People who know and have an obligation to tell, to say how our people are being oppressed and held down by the work of this evil system. So I I, I don't know. I I just you know I'm, I. I and there's a lot of people. There are other. There are a lot of black folk like him. Um, you remember the prosecutor yes. in the Botham John case, the black woman that hugged uh, the judge yes. and the prosecutor. They all hugged. Uh, and, and we and, thought and, that and was Amber so wonderful. Who and thought then, and that then, was so wonderful? Right. Then you have Jackie Lacey in L.A., who the Black Lives Matter mo- uh, movement, where the husband pulled a gu- his gun out on on one of my friends who I went to college with. Um, who's the leader of uh, Melina, Melina Abdullah is the leader of the movement there, and uh, he pulled his gun out on, on her and her her people. Um, and um, Jackie Lacey is a black woman who has not prosecuted a single LAPD officer. And LAPD is nothing but a, a Latino gang now. Um, if you know the demographics of LAPD yeah. is mostly Latino. It's not even mostly white anymore. And they're you know. They're, that's the future. That's part of the you know scary future is you know even where they ain't white folk like in Miami and L.A. the other other people's racism when they get to turn the power uh, plays out. You know they have the mayor and they have the police department now and black folk in L.A. Um, you know know it and so um, you know um, 
you know, Tamika's words were so powerful to me because what she said was, you do not belong to black people. And, and I think black people, millions and millions and millions and millions of black people said, yes, you're right, that's it. That's, that's it right there. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and, and, and um, uh, the sister Ayanna Presley said something similar you know, very powerfully uh, yeah. earlier in, in the season. She said something like, no more black people talking who ain't for black people, you know, or something like that, you know. And that, that goes to Charles Barkley and you know, Chad. I, I love and, it because that and, was and one of a you can, you can rest assured Candace Owens is going to say something, you know, vulgar in the next 48 hours yeah. in order to try to get a, a new cycle run. This is all prostitution on the part of the men and the women of selling themselves uh, to these white folk because they know the game. They're inside that world. They know the game. Every yeah. once in a while, they got to give Master a little piece of red meat by bucking the black yeah. group, uh, yeah. by saying yeah. something offensive and odious to us and to their mamas. As Tamika talked to, about Cameron, uh, you know, they say things that would offend their mothers and their grandmothers and grandfathers and uncles and aunts um, in order to stay in the circle of favorability with these white folk because they get a pat on yep. the back. They don't get fired. People like me, um, you know, I have to have tenure and security before, you know, uh, you know, because otherwise, you know, being outspoken and, and, and you know, trying to tell some kind of truth, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't work that way. And and so Barkley's, you know, and this other guy, um, there's one, the other one, uh, I can't think of his name right this second, but the heavyset guy who wears the hat, and he's pretty much lazy, um, uh, he's, he, he also is constantly saying these kinds of things. Um, and uh, Stacey Dash was doing it. Uh, uh, the uh, Diamond and Silk, Kanye West, Steve Harvey, Jim Brown, um, uh, Chrisette Michelle ruined her career by doing it. Because nobody gave, you know, she didn't have any credibility yet to be doing it, and she did it, and it backfired on her career, and she's still trying to get her way back. Um, uh, um, the guy who Trump called his African American was in the news last week, uh, explaining how he literally lost his friendships and his relationships with people because of that moment. Um, you have this video going around of some working class brother talking about how Trump is giving him a second chance and all this crap. When you listen to what he said, he don't even say anything about what Trump has done, any policies or anything about how his life has been improved. He just, you know, like, you know, talking like somebody gave him $20 and said, brother, we need a brother in a working class hat and a top hat to say something nice about mm -hmm. Trump, will you? And the, and the brother just started talking because when, when he talks, don't nothing intelligent uh, nothing specific comes come out. He just emoting and talking out loud, and then Trump liked it, and then Trump uh, looped it in his Twitter, and then all these white folks started liking it. And I listened to it on Roland Martin's uh, uh, Twitter, and I said, "What did he say? The man didn't say anything." But that's what that that will now help him because now he might get up on Fox, and then he gets on Fox, and the next thing you know, hey, he can get himself a podcast, and then he can get well, a bunch well, of white racist followers, and and the next thing yeah, you know, yeah. he's got you know he's selling he's selling items on on YouTube, and that's what this is, Miss Graham. This is neoliberal blackness. A lot of this is opportunism. And this is the fundamental difference between now and, say, the 60s and even the 90s, is the Internet pro pro proliferates opinion. 
not where before it was Malcolm and King and, 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 and the six civil rights organizations and the black churches, you know, there was many, the barbershops, they all, they've all always existed. But um, th- there was no way for uh, the opinions of all of us that have always had them to all be broadcast at once the way it is now. So a Martin Luther King and Malcolm would not be possible right now because of the Internet. So, so I think we have to adjust the reality that what we understood to be black before, where you had a, a, a certain a black common sense opinion about A or B, now you're always going to find these new Negroes, these new blacks, these people you ain't never seen before that end up on Fox or on a, in front line of Donald Trump, and you'll never see them twice except that one fool that kept being everywhere with the sign with the bad hair um, and the, the the beard, the black guy with the beard and the ponytail uh, with Trump everywhere. The paid yeah, Trump. You know, exactly mm-hmm. my point. And we know half yeah. of Trump's audiences are, uh, are paid even when they're white and acting. And that's the whole thing about this. This is nothing but a production, a, a, a stupid racist production. Um, and black people are getting caught up in it. And now he comes up with a $550 $550 billion black platinum program. Like, what What the hell is that? What Can you imagine JFK or Lyndon Johnson or Eisenhower coming up with a program for black people in America called a black platinum program? What the hell is that? Yeah. In fact, yeah. platinum is cheap. Black people want the black card. The black card is more valuable than platinum. If you're going to give it, give it the black card. But he called it platinum, and it's silly because when you start reading it, you'll realize it ain't even for us once again. Yeah. It's one of those colored people things, those people of color things, where the yeah. word minority shows up way more than black does when you read the piece of legislation. Minority shows me- up way more than black. Yeah, let me underline what you, the point that you are making uh, through a history uh, context. When George King, a black man in South Carolina, was freed from slavery by the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution in 1865, his former slave owner came to him to clarify how things were going to work from now on. King recalled, and this is in a a slave narrative, the master, he says, we are all free. But it don't mean we is white, and it don't mean we is equal. And we have to be, Dr. Taylor, and and, and to all of my listeners, having what my grandmother would call a spirit of distinguishing the difference between sugar and sugar substitute. Mm-hmm. And if we don't get that, Dr. Taylor, who he who does not get that will not survive all of this. Right. And And that doesn't mean you will lose your job. That doesn't mean you won't own your house and your nice car. That doesn't mean you won't have money in your bank. 
it means if you don't have an ear and an eye of distinguishing between sugar and sugar substitute, it means you will have an empty soul, that you will always have a soul which is oppressed. You will be incapable of liberating your black selves. That's what I think we have to come to grips with. And that's and I think we, I think I think we will in times like these, uh, historically, uh, black folk turn inward, and that's happening all over this country. I'm involved in uh, multiple gatherings of black folk uh, in San Francisco, organizing around economic organizing and trying to get the city to give it uh, some of the redistributed money. In fact, Mayor Bre- Mayor Breed uh, used two pieces of my legi- of, of legislation I helped write. Um, to make the decision to take $125 million from SFPD uh, to redistribute to the black community. And so I'm, I'm involved in the groups that are actually getting lined up, and they have been lined up, and they're all kinds of people. And they, they said to themselves in a meeting, and we, we don't even, I, don't, I didn't know most of these people, and, and we were in an open meeting, and they said, we don't want any white people involved. This is for us only. And, that's, and, and this was multiple meetings, and that's happening all over this country. And, 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 and see, the thing is, Ms. Graham, is it's hard to measure it because no one body is watching all of it. You know, the, the um, mm-hmm. National Urban League will tell us every year about the state of the you know, black uh, community or the state of, of the black, uh, what is it, the, I can't remember. They have a state of the black world or the black community or the state of the black of, of, of blacks. Um, report mm-hmm. that gives us a lot of breakdown on housing, jobs, life expectancy, health issues, you know, things of that sort, education. Um, but nobody, you know, looks at the total um, uh, positive uh, reaction, affirmative turning that people are doing, like your lead-in was saying in, in, the, in, I think, in one of the commercials about turning to each other and healing each other in different ways. And, and one of the things we could do right now, you know, is is just try to be real careful not to be hard on anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Even if the, the person that's mm-hmm. the the mess up in your life, try not to be hard on them right now because they're under mm-hmm. this duress on top of you know on top of that too, you know. So mm-hmm. you know, it seems to me that one of the things that Trump's reacting to with the 1619 project is that it basically was explaining to white America, we are the true Americans, we are the true Democrats. We're the ones that really believe in the Declaration of Independence, not you. And, and we've always done it, and, and then she mapped out our history with the Declaration of Independence to show, which I've been doing as a professor for years, showing how the Declaration of Independence is effectively a black manifesto against white America because they had the nerve to put it on paper. We said, oh, it makes sense. And everyone from David Walker to Frederick Douglass's Fourth of July speech to um, the Nation of Islam's uh, What the Muslims Want to the, uh, the Black Panther Party 10-point plan to, um, to Barack Obama's speech uh, inauguration speech to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream. All of them cite and reference or, or refer to mm-hmm. the Declaration of Independence. And, the, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was the main driver for black possi- you know, belief in that, their, that they could make America work for them as long as y'all said that on paper. That's what King said at the I Have a Dream speech. Everybody hears him say, uh, you know, not the color of my skin, but by the content of the character. But King says... What we're here to do is say, give us our reparations. He says that we came to get the check. 
He says, and be true to what you say on paper. That's, and he said that all the time. Exactly. King, mm-hmm. I used to love to hear him say that because it was like him, you know, giving up all of his, all of his, you know, pompousness and just coming down to being mm-hmm. an old country black man preacher and says, we're just saying be true to who you say you are on paper. You know, just live up to your yep. own words. And that's what yep. black people because have said. That's, it, that, you know, it, 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 it's worth repeating. And, you know, one of the things, you know, I spent the first 21 years of my career in private industry. So when I went to government to do service to people, one of the things that I learned very early on was in the government, if it's not on a piece of paper, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. If it's not written down and signed by somebody, it's it's worthless. You can't go in to somebody's office and say, oh, you know, so-and-so-and-so, and they will ask you, where is the document? Yep. And, and, <laughs> Otherwise, we're and, not so, and, and sometimes about when you have them, though, they they won't acknowledge you, you know. And that's exactly. the Native American, the Native American people, and we are the truth of America. That's the that's the problem they have with the 1619 project. They want to nibble around whether she, uh, a journalist, did good histor- historicizing, right? And that's why they're challenging it now. The New York Times trying to fix it and all of this. But it, it, but but she was still right completely in everything she said. But 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 she was the truth of America. Um, I mean I mean she you know what she basically said is that we are the truth of America. And and I believe yeah. that we are it's we Wait. are evidence of its crime, we are evidence of its criminality, of its inhumanity, exactly. of its yep. of its indecency, of its ungodliness, yep. of its lack of yep. Christianity. You stole a religion from a region in the Middle East and made it your own, and you still couldn't live up to it. I mean, they they turned. Christianity into the European Western white man's religion from the original Arabs and Middle Easterners that originally followed the Christ. And they took it, and it still doesn't make them behave any more godly towards more other godly. human beings. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. And, yet, and yet we, even when we ain't Christians, are more spiritual than them in our walk and in our talk and in our dance and in our love for other human beings. I asked my students this the other day, and I asked the audience, and please email me if you have the answer at taylorj at usfca.edu. When is the last time you've seen a white family? When is the last time you've seen a white family? Go on national TV. Go on Fox, right, because black folk go on CNN. Go on Fox and stand up and say, we forgive the black man who shot our nephew or our niece or our family. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen the police stand up and hug black people who killed one of their own people? Have you ever seen in your life black people, white people uh, go on national television and say to black people who have hurt them, I forgive you? Have you ever seen uh, a, 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 a case where a black criminal victimized a large group of white people? Any of those people say to the black vic- criminal before anybody's even wore a cold, we forgive you. Never in your life have you ever seen that. Not once in your life 
Have you ever seen it? And yet, in the last six months, you don't see in the last six, in the last two, three, in the last four years, five years, whenever Charleston happened. Since Charleston, you've seen it happen. The other day when that boy over got shot seven times, seven times in the back mm-hmm. in Kenosha, and the mama came out the same day and said, we forgive you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've got some right? calls coming in, uh, Dr. Taylor. Uh, and, and, yeah, and, and, so, and so to me, that's a level of, of, of maturity uh, that they don't have and a level of spirituality that they cannot reach even when they have the most important theological claims that humans, uh, you know, have tried to, to articulate. It, even, the, even the best religion has not made them more godly. In fact, it's the religious people who are looking past all of uh, Trump's ungodly life, life, all of his immorality, all of his lying he lies more than the devil himself. If the devil ever showed up, he could not possibly lie more than Donald Trump does. And yet, who are the number one supporters of Donald Trump in America? On the planet Earth, his number one base are the Christians, the white evangelicals, because their religion was never about God or Jesus, ever. It was always about hating black people. And that's what their religion has always been. That's why they use the cross. The most terroristic organization in this country's history is the Ku Klux Klan. And now Trump trying to use it. Somebody he's going to turn them into a terrorist organization. But they have been using the, the cross of Christ for 150 years as the expression of their hatred for black people. No shame in it. They actually turn no the thing on fire and light it. And they have. Uh, and and if you look at. All of the positions that black people stand for in terms of public policy, the Christian white of America is on the opposite side of everything we stand for. Everything. Guns, prisons, jobs, families, everything you can think of that Ronald Reagan represented, because this is who's the real devil behind everything you're experiencing right now. Trump is just performing more of Reagan in the most vulgar performance of it but this is nothing but reaganism i mean when we were sitting here broke and devastated by corona we we all heard and didn't even blink an eye that basil and 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 musk and um uh 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 uh, 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 uh bill bill gates all got about 300 billion dollars a, a, a couple of months ago when the rest of us all i'm losing thirty thousand dollars right now my job is taking 30 from me and every other older, uh, I mean, uh, full professor in the school in order to save the jobs of all the younger faculty, the new faculty that didn't have tenure, because they were going to fire all 75 young faculty who had no tenure. And the, those of us who have tenure and seniority, we stepped, stepped up and said, take it from us. So I'm losing $30,000 right now. And you got Bezos and uh, uh, Musk, the guy from... Um, Tesla gaining billions right now. And the stupid racist white, everyday white person, the everyday white person has always been the reason why we could never have revolution. The the socialists and the communists in America, they always try to act like it's black nationalism that's been the problem. It's always been white racism of the white working class since day one, since the Irish turned white. We ain't been able to find white allies to stick with us for more than 10 years. And we've been yep. here for 400 years. 
Dr. Taylor, let me take this one call because I get criticized because I don't take calls. 646, you're on the air with Dr. James Taylor at Our Common Ground. Hey, Dennis, the question that he should really ask himself is, isn't this a white man country? And they don't have no right to apologize to us about nothing because we haven't placed ourselves in a position to make them apologize to us. Case in point, let's just look at the Democratic Party and what they're doing. The problem is they have no messaging to combat the evil that just happened at 505 today. I mean, how how do you allow somebody to get away with what Trump did today, putting this, this basic racist on the Supreme Court? Let's get a response from someone that's supposed to be a liberal. Y'all turn off your earpiece or something. Let's get a response to Dr. Taylor because we don't have very much time. Dr. Taylor, you want to respond to Jay? I think he's right. I think he's right in his analysis. Um, uh, And, you know, I I, I can't even challenge that. You know, I I agree. Uh, The the only thing I would push back on is the the idea that this is a white man's country, only to the extent that, yes, that is the structure we're talking about, you know, with the police and also with the economic, you know, capitalistic structure. We're talking about the whole system. You know, that's the the problem. That is the white man's system. But this country has always had black and brown and red people in it. The white man was never here by himself, ever. And that's what I think the mentality we need to get pushed back on them with, because I keep hearing them here in California, which is Mexico, right, that they, that they stole in 1848. They keep telling the Mexicans, go back to Mexico. And I'm like, I, I've been trying to, as much as I possibly can to tell white people, y'all are only from Europe. Y'all ain't from nowhere else. Nowhere else on the planet is the white man from nowhere else but Europe. So, you, yes, it's his country, but, it, but, it, but, but that's his system, you mean. That's his constitution. But this land, you know, this land is always, we've been here 400 years, brother. David Walker in the appeal says, and, 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 and so does Garnett. They say at some point our ancestors' blood in the land, in the soil, gives us a, 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 a mortgage to it at some point. So, so I agree with you in your analysis about the two-party system. And, and, but, see, when you talk about the Democrats, again, to me, it's like that goes back to me saying earlier about the homeostasis and the norm and then, and then, the, and then these you know, moments break out. People really think, you know, that, you know, with Obama, they have, we have made some sort of turn, but, but we obviously are right back, right back where we were before and dealing with, um, you know, with this backlash. And then you have with the Democratic Party once again showing itself incapable of, 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 of being strong, and that, that move today probably won Donald Trump the re-election because it's showing strength and it's showing that yes. nobody can stop him. And, and it just shows Aunt weakness of, 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 of Nancy Pelosi. To me, Nancy Pelosi should take the sergeant of arms from the House and go over there and try to arrest Trump. Uh, but, but the Democrats won't do anything courageous or anything bold. They will only talk white and safe, the black ones and the white ones. Yeah. Jay, thanks for your call. Um, Dr. Taylor, one of the things that um, I really want to talk to you about before we have to uh, close off tonight is this idea that, you know, you you mentioned Ayanna Presley. 
I met Ayanna right. Presley when she was in the sixth grade. She wow. was one of my my pupils in my black civics academy. And she and I stayed in touch all the way until last week. <laughs> wow. And I I have seen this woman. I mean, she went in. She worked for Ted Kennedy. She went in and learned how government and politics worked. Right. And she had she did it with intent to serve her people. And she ain't done. So she she's she's got a, no, a bright no, future. She's not, no. Yes. She might be a she Absolutely. might be a senator next. Yeah. Um, uh, but I wanted to get this in if we if we can because I wanted to make sure that that people because there's this whole attitude going on with some of the people online that have their little following some of these folks from Ados and uh, uh, Mr. Rashid um, uh, you know Nasheed and 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 uh, some of the other folk uh, Boyce Watkins they're trying yeah. to discourage everybody from voting and my thing is I, and I keep saying to them. Brother, if you ain't voting, why are you trying to get everybody else not to vote? Just don't vote. You be quiet about it. Shut up and don't vote. But what kind of yeah. opinion leader? This is what I was saying earlier about the proliferation of opinions. This is what I'm saying. It's like this is what probably suppressed Hillary's black vote support amongst the young in, 20, uh, in 2016 because of these little splinter groups like this that had that effect because they have loud microphones um, and, and large followings of people, um, especially Tariq Nasheed because he has a whole film uh, genre called, yeah. I think, Hidden figures. But anyway, um, you know, you think about voting. And, and I was on a panel this week with a young sister who said she wasn't going to vote. And uh, we were with the Black Vote, the Black uh, Vote Matters yeah. Project out of Atlanta. Uh, uh-huh. with, with, we got with, one with, minute. And, and so um, the thing is, voting is why the Republicans were unable to trip up to flip uh, Louisiana in in in, uh, in 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 26 in 20 recently, and then and then you have a a a Democratic governor of Kentucky because of black voting, that is actually the last word of authority in Kentucky, and he is demanded to see everything, and he says he's going to yes. expose everything, and that's because of black voting. Everybody marching about Brianna, they want to see results. And then you got folks out there talking about, what's the Democrats going to do? What's the Democrats going to do? Well, what is voting going to do? Well, I give you Kentucky, for those of you listening. Yeah. Kentucky is yeah. the evidence. You get, you get a Democrat yeah. governor in a red state, and look at what happened. They played the race card and all of the nonsense, that we, the sellout that we've been talking about all along at, below him. But now he's at the top of the, of the state and the law, and he has said, I want everything, and I'm going to show everything. Yeah. So we're going to know the truth yeah. about Brianna because of black voting in Kentucky. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Taylor, what I wanted to talk to you about, you're absolutely right. Um, I will give you a call because I do want to go back to one of the things that has been at the heart of my activism, and that is doing uh, black political empowerment and black civics. My yes, grandson, education, yes. Yeah, my grandson is um, is a freshman at uh, Stanford University in his bedroom. Wow. But um, he's a freshman, and he's taking his first social justice class. Okay. And he is now sponsoring in the Massachusetts legislature. Wow. He's found someone to sponsor a bill uh, uh, that that he's sponsoring Mm -hmm. uh, that every junior in high school in Massachusetts must take civics. But I want to talk to you about that project. But we've got to go. And thank sure. you so much. Thank you so much. I want to see you. 
I want to invite you for Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, to that'll talk about why we must vote. Okay. Yeah, that'll okay. be fine. That was Dr. James Taylor, and he is the political uh, analyst uh, contributor here at Our Common Ground. Thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget to share uh, that we are here. Don't forget to, to um, join Alpha on Wednesday night, and I think Dr. Taylor will be with him. And we will see you next Saturday. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now it's winter. Winter in America. Thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground. For all of you that have joined us in our chat room, we thank you as well. I'm Janice Grant. Join us each Saturday at Our Common Ground. I'll be listening for you, speaking truth to power and ourselves. The city has that stagger on the coastline in a nation that just can't stand much more. Like the forest buried beneath the highway never had a chance to grow. Winter, winter in America.